You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Purple Rain, which came out in 1984, was directed by Albert Magnoli. It stars Prince, Apollonia Cotero, Morris Day, Jerome Benton, Olga Carlatos, Billy Sparks, Wendy Melvoyne, Lisa Coleman, Bobby Z, Dr. Fink, Brown Mark, Jill Jones, and Clarence Williams III. The genre would be pop biopic slash concert movie. Prince in his first motion picture. Before he created the music, he lived every bit of it. He risked too much for the one thing that meant everything. His music. Prince. The story. The struggle. The movie. Purple Rain. This is one of those movies which is so iconic that it's really hard to judge objectively as just a movie at this point. Eight years ago, after Prince's untimely death, they re-released it into theaters for a commemorative limited run. And even though I had watched it a bunch of times on video growing up, I had not yet seen it on the big screen. So I went after work one evening to catch it at the nearest AMC theater, and I was the only one in the theater for a 6 p.m. show. And it was glorious. As a concert movie and a pure tribute to the purple one, it holds up. His charisma is undeniable. The music is dazzling, and there are no shortage of memorable moments even off the stage. I mean, getting baptized in Lake Minnetonka. Well, not really, actually. Will you help me? Nope. Pardon me? Nope. Want to know why? Nope. Because you wouldn't pass the initiation. What initiation? Well, for starters, you have to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. What? You have to purify yourself in Lake Minnetonka. Morris and Jerome's silly Laurel and Hardy banter, or anything really Morris Day does for that matter in this movie. The password is okay? Fire Lanka, sir. Damn it, say the password. What? Say the password, onion head. The password is what? That's what I'm asking you. It's the password. The password is it? The password is what? It. You just said so. The password isn't it. The password is what? Got it. I got it. Right. It or right. <sighs> Clarence Williams III giving a genuinely anguished performance as the kid's father. Is that yours? Of course it's mine. Whose else would it be? I got lots of them. They're all different too. I'd like to see them. You got them written down somewhere? No, man. I don't write them down. I don't have to. It's a big difference between you and me. Thought you weren't gonna play no more. I saw mom up the street. She looked pretty bad. Any idea how she got that way? You got a girlfriend? Yeah, I got a girlfriend. You gonna get married? I don't know. 
and they get married. Wendy and Lisa jamming with the opening chords to that title track, developing it throughout the movie. Watching the kid's absurd swagger, the kid being Prince, just adjusting his mirrored sunglasses. And of course, the three-song extravaganza which closes out the film. This happens to be a film loaded with great, although most of them musical, moments. Now, do all of these moments coalesce into a strong, standalone movie with a completely satisfying narrative? Well, not particularly. And there are obvious reasons for that, which I will get to shortly. I mean, the broad strokes are laid out pretty effectively about a tortured artist coming from a broken home, struggling to find his voice, along with some of the conflicts that he has with other members of his band and other people in his life. Oh, forget it, Wendy. Let's get out of here. Every time we give you a song, you say you're going to use it, but you never do. You think we're doing something behind your back. You're just being paranoid as usual. Wendy. Shut up, Lisa, please. You should know by now that we wouldn't hurt you. You should know by now that we wouldn't put a dark cloud over your head. It's just to make you feel good. You felt this way with us before, remember? The nominees for Best Actress are... Fuck it, Wendy. Let's break. You can really hurt people. Doesn't that mean anything to you? I mean, doesn't that make you feel like shit? There's a kind of sort of romance at its core between the kid, played by Prince, and Apollonia, which really isn't that developed, even though the chemistry between them is undeniable. And there are also some problematic elements to this relationship, which aren't really explored either. It's tricky because you could make a case that the overall story is very straightforward, despite there being really not much collective tissue to string it all together. So... How do you judge a film like this if you are not a fan of Prince? Well, I wouldn't know because I am such a fan. As far as I'm concerned, he remains one of the five greatest musical artists ever, and Purple Rain, just as an album alone, is a crowning achievement, as is this movie, despite its issues. Yeah, that's a shit. That was great. Pick one song and split. Can't do it any better than that. Did you see Morris's face? Of course I did. <laughs> hey, what's this one song shit? Don't worry about it. <laughs> this brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. Definitely this film. Simply put, this entire movie is one fantastic needle drop. Every song performed diegetically is strong, and yes, that even includes Computer Blue, both songs from Worst Day in the Time, especially The Bird, and even Sex Shooter from Apollonia 6. Well... Maybe not that last one. I don't know. Kind of on the fence. But for me, there are still four songs which stand above the rest and truly make this movie special. Now, one of them I will save for a future category for dramatic purposes. As for the other three, well, yes, I am, of course, referring to the big three, which close out this movie. The Kid and the Revolution performing on stage for their triumphant comeback at the First Avenue Club. This could very well be the greatest musical 18 minutes of any film in history. And it, of course, starts out with the title track, Purple Rain. I'd like to dedicate this to my father, Francis L. It's a song um, the girls in the band wrote, Lisa and Wendy.
which holds dramatic weight beyond being just a truly amazing ballad. But it also has the kid incorporating the synth-based melody, which Wendy and Lisa had been working on for the entire movie leading up to that, plus the piano chord that he picked up from his dad. And it, of course, brings down the house. Yep, he's got them all swaying their hands. And we even see the club owner shedding a tear at one point. Great moment. The closing duo of songs pretty much serve as an encore for this on-screen concert. But wow, what a celebratory encore. I Would Die For You has the kid back out on stage doing his quick spin moves in ruffle shirts and heels before playing over a mini montage of him visiting his father in the hospital and also organizing his father's sheet music collection and then making out with Apollonia, of course, because you have to. culminating with the camera following his midsection on stage at the end of the song, rubbing himself, moving forward and backward in the best James Brown tradition. Great song. And finally, there's the fast-paced, sort of gospel-infused joy of Baby I'm a Star, which features all of the revolution at the front of the stage. Well, the drummer's in the back, of course. Prince never appears as joyous on stage throughout the movie as he does right here. Actually smiling, no less. Everyone's digging it, even Morris and Jerome dancing in the crowd. If you are able to watch this without dancing yourself, then I'm sorry, I got nothing for you. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Okay, this is where we get to the issues. This movie was helmed by a first-time director, Albert Magnoli, who had literally directed nothing before. And there was no screenplay. And the whole production was basically at the mercy of a studio, Warner Brothers, which was primarily focused on selling records. And it also starred an untrained first-time actor who really did not have any interest in learning how to act. Though Prince actually still has some strong moments. There was a strong level of cynicism driving the production of this movie. And at the end of the day, the product demonstrates that. 
There are awkward ADRs of Prince's dialogue throughout the movie. There are themes of abuse which are really never fully explored. And there's definitely a decent number of cut scenes which are at least alluded to throughout the use of montage. Bottom line is that this movie just really needed a stronger director who might not only have been able to better direct Prince, but who would have been more confident pulling off this type of biopic slash musical hybrid. And if we are going to fantasy cast here least for the time period, you know, 1983, 1984, when the movie was made. Well, there were seasoned pros of directors along the lines of Norman Jewison, Alan Parker, maybe Milos Forman, who did Amadeus the same year. But honestly, when I think about who, under ideal circumstances for both himself and Prince, mind you, big stretch there, I know, could have maybe turned this movie into a true masterpiece, just one name comes to mind. And that is the late, great Bob Fosse. Hey, look, I know, I know. Lord knows the cocaine intake on that set could have been crazy out of control. And it could have been a massive clash of egos. But wow, when I think of what Fosse had pulled off just a couple of years prior with all that jazz, with this music to play with, I mean, a man can dream, can't he? You believe in love? I believe in saying I love you. It helps you concentrate. And now the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. Now, tough call here, as I've already singled out some musical highlights, and there's no way that we could not select a scene here that did not focus on a stage number. And that number would have to be one which occurs roughly about 45 minutes into the movie. As amazing as that three-song finale is, and the opening to Let's Go Crazy, and that frustration sadness montage to When Doves Cry, forgot to mention those, banger songs. That means one of y'all have got to go. I mean, what would you do in my position? None of those scenes quite reach the heightened levels of this one. And of course, I'm referring to when we hear the kid perform what I believe is the best overall song on the album, and that would be the ballad, The Beautiful Ones. I know, I know. Is that really the best song on the album? Well, opinions may vary. But what makes this scene stand out the most is that this could very well be the kid at his personal low point, at least on stage. He's clearly jealous that Apollonia is now sitting at a table in the crowd with Morse Day, but it's even more than that. He's trying to make a connection with her in probably the only way that he's truly comfortable, on the stage. Whether he's singing to her in the audience or at her, it doesn't matter because it's truly spellbinding to witness how things just start to ramp up once he gets to the second verse of this song. The camera has been cutting back to her face, Apollonia's face, as she initially just seemed to be getting a kick out of the whole thing. But once his vocals get more raw and passionate, the camera starts to close in on her face. And yeah, we could see her starting to break down a bit. Even more so, Prince gives the impression that he is breaking down too. We see him doing this one gesture of pulling his shirt open just a bit as if to show that he's now exposing his heart to her.
And then the song ends as he's now singing it, writhing on the floor. By this point, we see tears running down Apollonia's face. Yes, undoubtedly, this whole sequence could come off as positively cheesy in lesser hands. But not here. Everyone just clicks. Not only is Prince killing it with his performance, but it's very likely the best piece of acting that we'll see from Apollonia in this movie, and possibly the most expertly directed and edited scene in the whole movie as well. And now the final category, the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. I mean, this is pretty much a no-brainer, isn't it? Even though I have expressed issues with his acting performance here, there is little doubt that his presence on screen cannot be denied. Of course, I'm referring to Prince Rogers Nelson from Minneapolis. Having sold over 150 million records, winning seven Grammys, while influencing just about every conceivable music genre from rock to gospel, it should go without saying that he was a force for music. With regards to movies, however, he would end up starring in two more films over the next six years after this one, Under the Cherry Moon, which came out in 1986, and then Graffiti Bridge, which was released in 1990, and was in fact a direct sequel to Purple Rain. And both of them were directed by the Purple One himself. And sorry, but neither of them were particularly good. The king has arrived. People tell me you've been making that spiritual noise again. You know, I can't make no money that way. You ever gave it a chance, one day you would. The soundtracks were great, don't get me wrong, but really nothing great to back them up. So yeah, Purple Rain remains his crowning achievement within cinema. And it remains quite an achievement. As flawed as this movie is, it still holds up better than most other attempts from pop stars to headline movies. And that's a long list too, believe it or not. I mean, seriously, just ask Mick Jagger, Britney Spears, Mariah Carey, Rick Springfield, or even Taylor Swift. Or have you not seen Cats? <laughs> For delivering a truly iconic musical performance on screen, Prince is the MVP. And my rating for Purple Rain would be three and a half stars out of five. In retrospect, do I think there was some potential here for a genuinely stirring musical drama on the narrative level of a What's Love Got to Do With It or A Star Is Born? Pick a version. Well, not the one with Barbara Streisand, but the others. Well, yes, there was. But that just was not in the cards with how this movie was put together or how it was executed. So I'll just continue to enjoy it for what it is. A truly memorable experience featuring a great artist and great music. And if you're looking to watch Purple Rain, it is available to rent or buy on all major online platforms. And that ends another Paisley Park review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.